What's up, church? Uh, good morning. My name is Cade Richards, and I'm the campus minister here, or one of the campus ministers here at the Lions for Christ. And uh, if you're a visitor here this morning, I just want to say we're stoked that you're here. If you don't know what that means, we're really, really excited that you're here. So uh, we are stoked, though. That's how I would say it. So we're really glad that you're here. And I just feel like I need to share this with you guys. I, I am just um, welling up with um, just a sense of being very, very proud. I have a great sense of pride right now just to see the college students that I know and love so much. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this morning, like real community. I know these students and these students know me, and it's just an amazing feeling to work towards the same mission, the same goal together. So thank you uh, for Zach and for Dylan, an incredible word that they both shared this morning, and, and all the students that have poured into this ministry. I, I'm just so proud. I'm a proud father, if I can use that terminology. So um, I love you guys. And uh, I want to share some things with you this morning that have kind of been noodling around for me as far as church and how do we do this thing. So who here this morning has ever had someone maybe share on Facebook or has told you in person, like, we've been married for fill-in-the-blank years. Like, we've been married for 32 years. And you may be like me, it's like when someone comes up and tells you, like, the size and, and the weight and length of their baby, you're like, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> like, okay, is that a fat baby? I don't know. Is it a big baby? I don't know. Sounds like a good baby. Like, when people used to tell me, like, we've been married for fill in the blank, 32 years, I'd be like, cool, that's, wow, that's a number for sure. <laughs> and so now that I'm married, I've been married for three years, it means so much more to me. So I'm just curious, has there anyone in here been married over 50 years? Oh, a lot. 60? Wow, that's amazing. It's over 60 years. So I assume that you tell people that because you're proud. And nothing has shaped the trajectory of your life more than being married to someone and someone being married to you for that long that knows all your, your quirks, your peculiarities, your insecurities, your brokenness. Like, that is a beautiful thing. That you have chosen to love one another for 60 years is amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. And so I want to say that I, I've used this kind of example of people sharing their, uh, you know, how long they've been married, but it's not really about marriage. What I think is that marriage is a lot like the community of God. That marriage and the community of, of God are avenues or methods or tools, however you want to put it, that God uses to show us his love. So I understand that, that there's probably been some terrible situations in this church with divorce and maybe you didn't have such a great marriage. Or maybe that you've never been married and wanted to. So I'm not up here saying that marriage is for everyone and that everyone's going to experience that. But what I am saying this morning is that community, real community found in Christ is for everyone. And we want you to experience that. And I would guess, I hope they don't like shout out something and really cripple this sermon. <laughs> I, I would guess that the people who've been married for 60, 50 years, I would say that it wasn't excitement that sustained you that long. It wasn't like, man, we, the dancing was so good at the wedding, I just couldn't divorce her. You know, like, it's not the excitement. I would guess that it would be this kind of slow, steady, 
love the same way that God loves us in the good times, the bad times, every single day, choosing to love one another. Because the excitement of the wedding day has long, long worn off. So for me, most of the time on campus day, for the past couple of years, I've really aimed this sermon right at the college students. But I want to do something a little bit different this year. I want to aim it at every single person in this room. So when I look at the book of Acts, as I've been reading through, I've noticed something. And that's where we're going to be this morning is the book of Acts. They start with this huge explosion, this huge excitement in God. But that's just part of the story. That's just part of the story. These amazing things, this huge explosion of what God is doing among them, this excitement to follow Jesus, to get into the community of Jesus, that's just part of the story. See, the book of Acts in the first chapter talks about Jesus. He's resurrected. He tells his disciples some pretty important things, and then he ascends to heaven. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2, there's some crazy stuff going on. Things are popping. Like, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples, and it empowers them. And then Peter steps up and says, hey, guys, like, we had the Messiah. You thought he was a regular dude, and then you killed him. And 3,000 people in one day come to faith in Jesus Christ and are baptized. And that's pretty exciting. And I know that there are some of you in this room, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, you're thinking to yourself, like, that sounds like a modern faith, a modern Christianity. You have this explosion, this huge event that has no real long-term commitment. So most of the time, on this day, I really try to, like, get people pumped up for Jesus, get people really excited. But I don't think it's excitement that is going to sustain you for the long term. Any of you here, especially you there, like, excitement isn't something that sustains us. It's something that I think all of us know intuitively, whether we've said it out loud or not, or had the exact thought. You know that excitement wears off. Excitement is going to wear off eventually, no matter how exciting something is. And so what I want to argue is that real community is what you need. Real community is what's going to sustain you. You need a group of people in your life that are first committed to God and His mission, and then they're also committed to you. And that's what's going to sustain you. So if the goal of that wedding, of that marriage back there was the wedding, like, how terrible would that have been? They certainly wouldn't be back there, you know, spending 60 years together. The goal is not to have a great wedding, it's to have a faithful marriage for the rest of their lives. It's not to come out of the gate strong, but to finish well. So what I want to argue this morning is that you are designed for community. You are designed for community. And it's easy for a man like me who's a Christian to stand up, whether you are a Christian or not in this room, to say that Christians have the best community. I could say that without saying anything else. But I want to make an argument of why we have the best community this morning. And I'll look at some scriptures. I believe that, just like Dylan said in communion, that the thing that sets us apart is Jesus Christ. And his spirit enables us to live in a way that other communities just cannot live. 
It is not possible without God. So I want to jump in and look at Scripture this morning after these big explosive events, the Holy Spirit, people coming to faith like crazy. I want to see what happens right after that. And so I want, if you have a Bible this morning, to turn to the book of Acts. And we're going to read um, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And I believe that this is real community. That's kind of the theme of our, our lesson today. So here we go, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God enjoying, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So I just want to talk a little bit about this this morning. I mean, it's an amazing little you know, passage of scripture that talks about the community of God. And I want to argue that that is real community. And I just want to share, you know, six things that really step out to me. Things that pop off the page when I read this. And please, like, I wish we could study every single thing, but just we can't do that this morning because that text is so rich. But these are six things that I think stand out for me. So, number one, real community pays their ministers well, particularly their campus ministers. <laughs> I'm just reading the text. If you look hard enough, it's in there. I'm, I'm kidding. So what I want to argue is the, the first and most foundational point is that real communities align themselves with God. They first align themselves with God. And I see that in the text when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles teaching? Well, they were teaching exactly what Dylan talked about in communion. They were teaching the gospel. That there is a God that's holy and he's just. And he gives you free will. And unfortunately, your human heart chooses to do what you want to do and not what God wants you to do. And that's called sin. And that sin, unfortunately, separates you from his goodness. Because God, being who he is, cannot hang out with sin. If he's holy, he cannot hang out with sin. So we're separated from God. And being the good, just God that he is, he has to punish sin. And we read in the scriptures that the wages of sin are death. So we're separated from God and we deserve death. But God, being who he is, he says, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to pay it for them. He sends his son, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And Jesus lives a perfect life and pays the, the wages of our sin to God. And so that we can't brag, I didn't cuss that much, I didn't drink that much beer, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, or I did this. We can't boast because it is only Jesus Christ that we can stake our, our faith, our salvation on. It's only through him. And so that's the gospel. And you'll notice in the gospel that there's this unique kind of perspective that while we were still sinners, 
Jesus Christ did that for us. He didn't wait until we were clean and pure. He says, I will make you pure. I'm going to love you when it's hard to love you. I'm going to go after you when you're really not lovable. So I would argue that Christian community is the best, quote unquote, only because that is in our DNA. That we love people who are unlovable. That's it. That's the only thing that we can stake. This is why we have the best community. It's because we have experienced the love of God for ourselves first. We've experienced that. You aren't the best. You haven't got everything together, but I died for you in that state. So now we can turn to our brothers and sisters or maybe people who aren't yet our brothers and sisters and say, I love you even at your worst. I fully know you and I can fully love you. And I would argue that it kind of reiterates that in the next couple verses when it says uh, the breaking of bread. That's, in my opinion, kind of echoing or talking about communion, what we just did. And so if, if they're doing this, what are they doing while they're breaking bread? Well, they're, they're echoing that the only thing that we have that's peculiar about us, that makes us different, is remembering Christ while we eat. It's Jesus Christ that sets us apart, nothing else. We can't say we're better people than the world. That's just not true. But we have Jesus, and that makes us presentable to God. And he also says, uh, and I think this is important, they, they devoted themselves to, to praying. I mean, that's important. Why? Because it's not just a human entity, this community of God. It's not just another organization, another club on campus, that we have a connection, a line of communication going with God the Father. This is who we are. And so something else that I read in the text, and this is something I want you to wrestle with as I wrestle with it. In real communities, it is apparent that God is present. And I, I'm just going to let y'all wrestle with it while I wrestle with it. So it says in there that there were some miraculous things going on, some wonders. And I've thought about, you know, like, what do I say about this? Do I ease the blow? Do I not? I don't know. Like, to me, though, what is clear was God was present among this community. He was healing people. Things were happening that couldn't be explained without God. So I think in real communities, that has to be true. That people are healed that couldn't be explained without God. Maybe sins or, or sins of addiction are broken that couldn't be explained without God. Relationships are restored that could not be explained. I'm going to kick some money. Relationships could, or, are restored that could not be explained without the presence of God. So to me, in real communities, it seems very apparent that God is at work and his spirit is empowering his disciples to do things that could not be explained had he not showed up. I believe that real communities spend times together that aren't just Sundays. I think that's pretty apparent in the text. I want you guys to take a look around. Look, look at everyone in this room. Is there anyone in here that knows every single person's name in this congregation? I would argue that 
that is a sociological impossibility to have a relationship with every single person in this community. It's not going to happen. So what I want you guys to get from this text is you need a group of people, a small group of people. See that little plug for small groups. A small group of people that know you. They fully know you and they fully love you. Because there is absolutely no way that you can know every single person in this church. We are all one community, but we can't all be connected. We can't all have deep personal relationships with every single person in here. And how do you do that? Well, my father, and some of you guys are going to know what I'm going to say here. My father's a great man, Todd Richards. You guys should know him. He taught me something um, that quality comes within the quantity. What do I mean by that? He said when he was like raising us, I have two brothers, he said essentially there was a lot of talk about quality time. And so you would go and you know, you'd take your son out to a quality time, you'd have this like one hour where you're going to have a great time with your son. Well, he said it just doesn't work like that. that. The best times that you have with your children, the best times that you have with your friends is because you spend all day together. And eventually there's some important things in life that just come up. And so quality comes within the quantity. And I believe I see that here in the text, that they met together daily. You need people that you are communicating with daily, at least weekly. And it's not going to happen just coming in trying to have one hour here. It's not going to happen that way. When you think of community, like I, I want you to love this church and be a part of this church. But when you think of your community, it needs to be a small group of people. I wish I could just erase that from people's brains. Like when they think of community, it's 500 people. It's just not going to happen that way. So I want you guys to, to dive into these relationships and know that the quality time comes within the quantity time. I believe that real communities help one another. Real, in real communities, people help one another. So there's a text in there that said, you know, they're selling their possessions to give to people who had need. And again, maybe we need to wrestle with that. I mean, it's, it's a very easy thing for me to stand up in front of you and say, like, well, I don't know if they really meant, like, really sell your possessions. I mean, it was metaphorical. But I think what I'm reading in the text there is people made sacrifices for one another. That they loved one another even when it wasn't easy. Sometimes that may be money. Sometimes that may be time. But I want to say that this kind of on that kind of note of helping one another. If we are the community of God and we have a mission. I'll just be real honest with you. There are days when I wake up and I just don't want to do it. Like I, I love my job. I love campus ministry. I want students to know Christ. But there are days when I just have a lot of other things that I'd rather do. And I just don't have it in me. But I also have a group of people that surround me and say, like, no, this is an eternal reality. And people need to hear the gospel. And so I believe that you need a group of people that are going to affirm you. They're going to hold you up. They're going to be in communication. Hey, like, have you been sharing your faith this week? Have you been reading your Bible? How can I pray for you this week? Because that's going to keep us on mission. That's what's going to sustain us. 
I, I'll just be real honest with you. There's no way that we can live on mission with Jesus if we are going to the people that we're trying to reach for them to tell us who we are. Does that make sense? Like, if you are going and you're unsure about sharing your faith, living on the mission of Christ, and you're looking for those people to give you affirmation that you're doing a good job, you're living a good life, it's not going to happen. You need people to look at you and say, hey, if you share the gospel, if you try to get people together at your house or a Bible study, whatever it is, even if you fail, fall flat on your face, I still love you. And you're doing the right thing. We have got to have that. Real communities eat meals together. That sounds like a, well, duh. Um, but I think that you guys, you know that there's something more powerful than just sharing a meal together that happens. There's something divine, if I can use that word, about sharing a meal, a meal with someone. If you've ever read the story of uh, the Last Supper, I want to kind of highlight something that's going on there. So why would Jesus eat with Judas? Why would he do that? Have you ever thought about that? Like, this guy knew that Judas was going to betray him. Why would he eat with him? There's something going on there in antiquity, in, in that region of the world, and I would argue even here still today. When you eat with someone, it says, I accept you. I'm a friend of you. I am not going to do you any harm. It says something about the relationship that you have with that person. So, if we look at that from the perspective of Judas, it makes it that much worse in my opinion. It's like, wow, like this guy really going to eat with Jesus? Come on, Judas. But if we look at it from the perspective of Jesus, it gets even better. Because Jesus says, I see you, Judas. I see you in all of your filth, brokenness, and betrayal, and I still love you. I still accept you. Is that not who we should be as a community? Is that not what we can do for one another? When we hear of sins within the church and even sins outside of the church, can we not share a meal with someone and say, I see all that, but that's not what defines my love for you. I believe that real communities eat together because they see one another in all of, all of their, their junk and say, I still accept you. And the last thing I want to say is real communities are attractional. You guys see that in the text? That the Lord added to, the, to their number daily? I believe that people are looking for something in our culture today. Just really honestly. I, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, like the, the world is going to crap and, you know, it's, it's terrible and there's no one coming to faith anymore. Churches are dying. I, I hear all that. Like, we're not, you know, in this isolated bunker not hearing those things. But I think that God is presenting a unique window in our culture today to where this trajectory that we're on is unsustainable that people are uh, replacing God with something else, and it's just not working. To highlight some things like the suicide, anxiety, depression rate are just skyrocketing. And that's because I believe God, uh, or I'm sorry, people are, are taking other things 
and placing them in the place where God should be in their lives. I could go a long, long time on that, but I believe we're in a unique window to share the gospel, to share our faith, and to reach our culture. And so I believe that Jesus has this mission that people can get on board with, just really honestly. It catches our, our hearts and our minds. That Jesus wants to see the whole world redeemed and restored. He wants to see relationships mended, literally the earth renewed. And that captures people. If you pair that with a group of people who say, I'm going to love you no matter what, and come be a part of this with us, I believe that that's attractional. And that that's going to add people to our number. And so I think there's something amazing that happens when a group of people adopt this mission of Jesus, this love of God, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Something happens when a group of people, you have all these individuals doing that, come together. God gives them a momentum that just is unmatched. I mean, you see this in 12 ragtag guys. A couple thousand years ago, they caught the vision. They're empowered by the Spirit. They had the love of God, and we're still talking about them today. 2,000 years later, because of them, all of us are in this room. Imagine what could happen, you know, 100 years from now if we caught this same vision. So the last couple comments that I'll make, I um, just want to be really honest with you guys. There's some of you in this church that have never experienced real community. It's not easy to say. You may come here um, and just leave as soon as, um, you know, the, the closing prayer is said. You know a lot of people, but you don't really know anyone, and no one really knows you. I mean, it's so tempting to just put up those, those barriers, those walls, and not let anyone in, and not spend the time to get to know someone else. College students, um, I, I don't know any other way to say it, like, this is going to sound really bad, like, there's no app for it, you know, like, you can't swipe and get this, like, beautiful relationship where someone really knows you, and they, re- you know, they really know you, and you know them, like, it's just not going to happen overnight, and if I could, you know, clap my hands, snap my fingers, and make it happen, I would, but it's just not going to happen that way. You're not going to fall into real community by accident. It's not going to happen. Just like you're not going to be married for 60 years by accident. It takes commitment. It takes devotion. It takes time. But man, is it worth it. If you want to know about the love of God, go talk to those people who have been married for 60 years. Like, it is going to take part or take effort on everyone's part, and it's not easy. But man, is it worth it. Um, man, it's that gospel-powered love. So I want to say this to kind of wrap up. Uh, making disciples for Jesus who are eager to serve others is the exact same thing as on the back of my shirt. Our mission statement is we exist to help UAFS students discover they are designed for something. What we believe that is, is we believe that Jesus, God in the flesh, invites you to follow him, to be changed by him, and to live on mission with him in the context of his community. Those are the same things. And so what I want to highlight this morning is we are all on the same mission. 
Now, we have got to stop thinking about, like, there's the youth group, and then there's the golden ages, and there's, there's the college students, and then there's, you know, cure, whatever it is. We are all the same. We are all working towards the same mission. But community, real community, is not going to happen by accident. And so I, I want to invite you um, to do a couple things this morning. If I can just kind of make a plea to the church, like, there are students here that need your input. You're a little farther along in the journey in some ways than them. And so I would invite you, if you are wanting to begin a relationship, begin this real community with the next generation, then just come over and take one of these students, maybe a couple so it's not super awkward, out to lunch. Or if they're all taken, maybe do that for someone else. It doesn't have to just be college students this morning. And so I want to invite you to respond as I finish here in a couple of ways. There's going to be some elders and they're just shepherds, people who love you and care for you. They're going to be right down here. And they want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. And we want to be a community for you. So I want to ask you a couple questions. One, if, if the de definition of community is to be fully known and fully loved, maybe you don't think that anyone knows you here. And maybe there needs to be con confession on your part. Maybe you're just like, hey, I've been coming to church for 10 years, but no one really knows who I am. Come down. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to talk through that. Like, maybe you want to know someone or you want someone to know you. We would love to pray for you. Something else. Maybe it's the other thing. Maybe... There's someone in this congregation you fully know and you just truly don't fully love. You've seen them do some messed up stuff and it's, it's in your heart and you need to pray about that. We would love to help you. We'd love to be a community. Maybe you're struggling with fully knowing someone or someone fully knowing you and them not loving you. And so the final thing I would say is, you know, there is this journey, there is this process and, you know, an ax that starts with a bang in a marriage, it starts with a wedding. If you want to take a step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, into the community of Christ, and you want to be baptized this morning, we would love for you to come down and talk with us. So we love you. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of this church, and thank you so much.